Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Yeah, I'm Jeff, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I've got to know David and Melissa a little bit here in my time at Rainier View. And um, yeah, we have them on the podcast today to just talk a little bit about uh, their ministry and Bible translation. And so at Rainier View, we actually we seek to kind of uh, tithe on everything that comes in to local and international partners outside of Rainier View to build up the kingdom of God, uh, to see the Great Commission fulfilled, and just to see, yeah, more people come to faith. And so, yeah, want to kind of, first of all, uh, help everybody get to know uh, you guys a little bit more. So, yeah, David, Melissa, just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, you know, how did you, uh, you know, both just kind of come to Bible translation work, uh, you know, kind of independently, and then, yeah, how'd you guys meet, and yeah, how, how does that look in terms of kind of the future? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I grew up going to Rainier View. I actually grew up going to the original Rainier View that was in Graham that then merged with Parkland Christian Church, and oh, then okay. we became Rainier View when we built the Graham campus. Um, so I grew up in the area. My father was the manager of Pleasant Valley Christian Camp, so we I grew up year-round down there. And so how I got into missions work. And, yeah. Okay. So yeah. how did you decide, like, hey, I want to help translate the Bible <laughs> into a different different language that doesn't that doesn't have a Bible translation? Yeah. So I I went into Boise uh, Boise Bible College, knowing like kind of a vague sense of I want to do missions work and I want to try to reach the unreached and didn't have a lot of direction other than that mm -hmm. and so then went my junior year i went to mongolia with a friend and we were doing some bible distribution there because they had just had the in 1990 when mongolia opened up uh, they had bible translations ready to go but they okay. were really poorly done mm -hmm. and and the mongolian church had to use that from like 1990 to the mid 2000s and so a new translation of the bible had been put out and we were spending the summer distributing it to oh, cool. rural churches and during that time i just realized i thought i had things figured out because i was like i'm gonna go to mongolia and like that's all i need to know and then i went in there i'm like there's so many different ways to serve on the field so i wrestled a lot with where does my skill set fit missions work? And like, mm -hmm. I can't just be like, oh, I want to do missions. It's like, well, what, what skill set do, do I bring to the table? And I wrestled with that a lot because it's like, I, I can preach and like took preaching classes at Boys Bible College, but I knew like, oh, I'm not like a super gifted preacher. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I have friends where I, I hear them preach. I'm like, okay, they're a good preacher. And I, and I didn't have any musical ability. And I'm like, oh, I can't like do the worship pastor gig. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't play the guitar. What, what am I, what am I supposed to do in church? <laughs> and I like, so in Mongolia, I was taking a real hard look at my, because we were, we were going there, hopefully, to kind of check out work to become church planners in Mongolia. And cool. the Mongolian church was ready to go. Like they were... They were pumping out Mongolian church planners that were way more prepared than I was as an outsider. Mm -hmm. And so just was taking stock of my skill set. I'm like, oh, this sounds really nerdy and doesn't like being good at preaching or being good at music. Like mm -hmm. that sounds really good. And mm -hmm. I'm like, OK, I'm really good at schoolwork and <laughs> academia and I'm really good at Greek. Yeah, yeah. And what like that just seems super lame. <laughs> but then it made me like. That coupled with some classes that I had in missions history, where mm -hmm. if you look through the history of missions, like when the Bible gets translated into a language, 
that's really when the church explodes in that language group. Like that's mm-hmm. like one of the very first steps that needs to happen. And, and it's a really, it's a, I'm really good with long projects mm-hmm. and I like, I like big picture thinking and, and I like problem solving and I like academia and it's a really academic process and like it's, yeah. it's heady stuff. And so, and I like Greek. So it kind of all matched together where it like, I didn't want to admit it, but it's like, I'm really good at Greek and schoolwork and stuff. And then it just kind of came together. I was the last day I was in Mongolia. I knew, I knew Mongolia wasn't a good fit Mm -hmm. and and Mongolia doesn't have that much Bible translation need. And then I was scrolling through Facebook in our little cap, a little apartment in the capital of Ulaanbaatar. I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a video that pioneer Bible translators had put out that showed the Tay people of Papua New Guinea getting their New Testament translation that took mm. 35 years. And the video just made me cry. And I'm like, whoa, what's happening? Like, yeah. I don't cry <laughs> watching Facebook videos. And and at that point, things kind of all coalesced and like connected the dots of like, I need more, I, like, I'm good at school. This is a huge need strategically for... Mm-hmm. for planning the church and so at that point i realized i think i need to go into bible translation and i had avoided it for pioneer bible translators had tried to recruit me the last three years while i was at boise bible college and i always said no because okay. i knew it required grad school i'm like i don't want to do more school but then <laughs> i was like really i was like well i was like you i want to be, be on the field yesterday i don't even want to be a bible college i don't want to sit in a classroom i want to get into action and then yeah. in mongolia i was kind of like i think i need to go get more schooling because i'm not really bringing anything to the table that the mm-hmm. Mongolian church doesn't already have access mm-hmm. to yeah. and then realizing like I think I need to go to more school and do Bible translation and yeah. that was the right fit yeah I love I love hearing your heart that uh, you know to serve and then really kind of taking stock of like how is God wired and gifted me mm-hmm. to, to serve and I think so often you know, we have a very like cookie cutter approach to like okay this is what it looks like to be in ministry like these these very narrow handful of gifts, right? Or mm-hmm. like that they look a certain way even. Yeah. Um, and so, but just that hard to serve, but then the process of seeing the giftedness, right? And because that would just be pure torture for so many people to like, you know, grad school and jump in the deep end of linguistics, which like you said, is incredibly technical. Like, yeah, like a lot of people aren't wired that way, but that God's wired that way and to like connect that to gifting. Uh, but then the passion to serve uh that's that's so cool so uh, i've talked enough melissa's got to introduce <laughs> herself and tie yeah. herself into this. yeah melissa tell us a little bit about yeah about yourself and yeah how did how did you kind of get connected with bible translation and then how did you guys paths cross yeah so i went to indiana wesleyan university in indiana mm-hmm. that's where i grew up um, and i was getting my degree in teaching english as a second language or tesol mm-hmm which was as close to linguistics as I could get. I wanted to um, live in other countries and Mm -hmm. work at international schools and learn like 10 languages so I could be this really cool, like trendy person who's like (laughs) polyglot. Coolest (laughs) Instagram feed. Yeah, it was very selfish, like selfishly motivated. And uh, a Wycliffe Bible translator representative came into my linguistics class and he talked about the need for Bible translation and that there are 2,000 um, people groups in the world today that represents 200 million people, mm. uh, over 200 million people that have zero access to God's word in their language. 
Mm. And that just like broke my heart. I was like, what? This hasn't been done? If you Google it, English has over 900 different versions of the Bible. <laughs> and so 2,000 languages don't even have one. Wow. And God just like broke my heart. And I was just like, I need to, I need to do this. And God was like, hey, yeah, all those selfish plans you have, like, why don't you use those gifts I gave you for my kingdom? Mm. And really just fell in love with Bible translation. I was taking biblical Hebrew and Greek in undergrad. And I wasn't quite ready to jump into like a full, you know, 20 year Bible translation project Mm -hmm. right out of college. And I wanted to date missions before (laughs) I married it, if you will. Um, So I did a short term um, oral Bible storying project in the Philippines for three years and really loved it. I would not say that I'm like a hiker. <laughs> or an outdoorsy <laughs> or person. Not, uh, yeah. Really? Okay. Not super outdoorsy. Um, David see me around bugs and he's like, how did you live in the Philippines? <laughs> I don't get it. She does not like bees. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just, yeah, I didn't know that I could do something that like outdoorsy and really love it and love the people and love learning the language and um, love learning their culture and seeing a different side of God that like I don't see in my own culture it just mm. really expands your view of who God is um, and I wanted to to do Bible translation in a more um, long-term way and worked and do do Bible translation a written Bible translation so I knew I needed to get some more grad school stuff for that and then that's where we met mm. and I was with Wycliffe and then he pulled me over to Pioneer Bible translators, <laughs> which like isn't a scandalous thing. We, yeah, they we work super well together. side by side. So the the school no hurt um, feelings with Wycliffe. Wycliffe set up the tra- the school where we both went. Very and cool. Pioneer Bible translators offices are across the street. Nice. So they're all they're buddy buddy. They send us to the Wycliffe school so we can steal ladies. Over. <laughs> it's a recruit. It's a recruitment strategy, but. Uh, so you guys met in grad school then, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, how long have you guys been married now? About a year and a half, mm-hmm. Getting, well, a year and a half on Jul- on the 4th of July. Yeah. So. All right, awesome. So, well, congratulations on that. And, Thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably not on most newlyweds' radar to uh, uproot your, you know, uproot yourself <laughs> and, you know, transplant to, you know, literally halfway around the world somewhere else uh, yeah. that's completely a different we, culture. We, and We thought we would get like a year and a half worth of normal marriage, but then the pandemic happened too. Yeah. So we, we had uh, two months. Yeah. We had, yeah. We had two months of normal marriage and then now it's been pandemic and then we'll move overseas in September. So. Yeah. So... Okay, you talked a little bit about the draw to Bible translation, each of you in kind of different ways, and really, um, you know, again, we talked about uh, that gifting, a little bit of that burden, um, and, and mm-hmm. I see that as part of the part of the draw there. Um, but kind of let's back up big picture. What exactly is Bible translation work like for somebody who's like? You know, I just thought everybody read an English Bible, right? Or just like never yeah. thought about like, oh yeah, there's other languages in the world. And do you just don't, do you hit Google Translate? Like, right? Can you just do that? <laughs> like, w- yeah, what is the process of translating, uh, yeah, the Bible into a language for a people group that doesn't have it in their language? So like big picture, because yeah, I can quickly get into the weeds of exactly how it's done. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, Melissa kind of hinted towards it. Of there's there's seven thousand languages in the world, and two thousand seven thousand languages in the world. Only about six hundred of them have a full New Testament, Old Testament. Wow. And a bunch of them have uh, like a more than like fifteen hundred more have a New Testament and no Old Testament. Okay. But right now the number that we're focusing on is 2,000 languages don't have a single scrap of scripture translated wow. and no project started, like no momentum. Wow. And Which it, looks like 200 million people. Which looks yeah. like 200 million people who don't have access to God's word. And yeah, and then there's the whole thought, like why can't people just, you know, learn English or <laughs> speak like learn English or just read the English Bible if they already know English mm-hmm. and all oh, that gets into so many different things but <laughs> for for you like what is like for each of you the the thing that just cuts to your heart on that like what's the thing like oh this is why for me we're doing this I don't want I don't want language to be a barrier that keeps people from Jesus and right now it is mm-hmm. and that's like the big picture there's so many stories of people who hear God's word in their their heart language. They've been listening or hearing God's word in a second or even third language. And when they hear it in their first language, they describe it as like, my eyes were opened, like I was blind, and now I can wow. see. That was a story from the Philippines. And um, what was the one you were telling me on the Lord? I'm just talking about, like, a lot of people say, like, it unlocks scripture. Yeah, it like, unlocks mm. scripture for you or it, like, pierces your heart. Mm. in a like it finally like gripped you and you really understood the words that were being said and it mm. communicated meaning and it wasn't just some foreign concept because for a lot of people like the trade language bible because in most communities yes there is a bible that is either in english or whatever the local trade language is mm-hmm. that's not a reality in all contexts mm. um like for most uh contexts where Arabic is the spoken language, the only Bible they'll have is in uh, Quranic Arabic. Mm-hmm. And the Arabic they speak day to day is a completely different dialect of Arabic. And then even then, that's a second language mm-hmm. that's not even in the same language family. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, you know, why can't they just use the Arabic Bible? Or why can't they use the English Bible? It's like, well, imagine your second language was Spanish. Like, did you take Spanish in high school? I did. See, yeah. See. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, you've taken Spanish classes and now I'm going to, I'm not even going to give you a Spanish Bible. I'm going to give you a Latin Bible. <laughs> and that's how you're supposed to understand God. And so we wow. really just don't, there's, if people are going to reject Jesus, mm-hmm. they should re- reject Jesus and mm-hmm. they shouldn't be rejecting a linguistic barrier that they have to Christ, or they shouldn't be rejecting misunderstandings or just a distance from God that is brought about because of the text they're reading. If I was reading a, a Latin Bible, I wouldn't feel like close to God. Right. And so you're just overcoming so much to even understand what's on the page, or maybe even sometimes in our even our English context, maybe something that, you know, could be helpful is like when somebody, you know, is new to faith and they, they pick up like a King James Bible. Yes. And they're trying to navigate. It's like the last time I read the King's English was like, you know, some Shakespeare freshman year of high school. And it's like you're struggling like yeah you could you could probably get to really you know seeing jesus you know if you work at it but it's gonna be so much better to read it in a in a you know 
modern language that makes sense that fits you know mm-hmm. how there's how you understand the world there's a reason why we've like didn't stop at king james right and like and we speak english <laughs> exactly and so for all of these people groups like yeah how we understand scripture better it's like oh man i really don't get this in king james well i'm going to try it out in the esv and be like oh this passage of romans is like really hard let me read what the message says or like let me go to the <laughs> niv on or something a little bit more paraphrase and like right. they just don't even have that option they're like right. well you got the did you have the verse written down for like um second language speakers on average have about 80 percent of the vocabulary down if they're okay. doing great wow. but if you're trying to read scripture and you're missing 20 percent of the vocabulary mm-hmm. and the 20- that's a really specific 20 percent like oh. of your vocabulary you know christianese yeah. bible language. yeah how the, many the how many impo- bible words yeah. don't occur anywhere else in your modern everyday world like you know When's the last time you heard the word sanctification used yeah. in any context outside of a Bible That's study? definitely going to be in the 20% they don't know. And we know. barely understand what that concept means <laughs> in our language. Right, exactly. Now communicate that cross-culturally. Good luck. Yeah, so I think you, you've got uh, yeah, John so, 3.16 with one out of five words taken out. Yeah, oh. if you're a second English language speaker, you know, you've got another, you have a first language and then you do understand a lot of language. Then, you know, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the, the 100%. That's great. Yeah. If you take out 20% of that, you're going to take out the really big, like, long, hard to communicate Christianese words that probably you don't know in, in your second language, which makes that be, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that something, something in him shall not Mm, I'm not sure what that word is, but have some kind of life. <laughs> yeah, Something life. It's not even like it's not even like color versus black and white TV. It's literally like I can't. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with like you know coming to terms with the gospel itself. It's just literally like I don't understand mm-hmm. the words on the page. And there's 25 words in that verse, and I only took out five, yeah. which is 20. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, crazy. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's so so good. And um, you know, last time uh, we we were together, mostly you shared a story about um, just you t- mentioned a moment ago about like heart languages. Yeah. And um, heart language or mother tongue. Yeah, and you just you used a phrase. Can you describe it like this would be the language in which a mother would sing a lullaby to her child, and I just thought that was so beautiful, like. You don't unpack that anymore. Yeah, um, that's that's why they call it mother tongue. To, mm-hmm. So you know, first language doesn't often communicate everything that goes with that. But it's it's the language your mother would sing you a lullaby in. It's the language you're most comforted in, that you're admonished in, <laughs> that you're scolded in, yeah. that, you're, <laughs> that you you learn lessons in, that you feel the most loved in, and that you have the most understanding. I mean, if you think about it, your mom can just look at you and you know what she means. <laughs> right. So we want people to interact with God's word in that way so that they see this nurturing, full understanding part of him that he's trying to communicate. Like he gave us his word hmm. so that we could know him. And we, want, we don't want um, people not to have that. We want people to have that. That's yeah. a better way of saying it. No, we don't want language to be a barrier to uh, keep people from it. And... Yeah, and we mentioned it earlier, just 
talking with different people, like people, even if they've had leaders in the church who, because there's plenty of churches where they've been operating out of a second language Bible for mm. all, for generations. And you'll have leaders in the church who are like, you know, I'm a third generation pastor, but the Bible's always been in Swahili or Arabic or mm. English or French. And now that it's finally in my heart language, like I finally, like it truly clicks and connects. And I've, I've seen... God becomes this, this parent, this best friend, this... Mm you know, life partner instead of this person who's saying, do this, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Like ah. there's no relationship in that. Yeah. So then you see these generational sin patterns of people just going to church and then going back and practicing magic or going to a witch doctor or, mm-hmm. you know, alcoholism, whatever it is, mm-hmm. instead of gripping onto God with all their might and being like, this is a relationship and it's not a religion. Yeah, and just imagining how much more real like that's kind of the challenge like you know in any ministry context of like how do we present our faith in jesus as something that isn't abstract and and you know in essence talk about you know the the incarnation right and like how do we make god's word as incarnational as possible Mm -hmm. and just love i love how you've you've talked about you know bible translation work in in this context to literally make it real on a on a personal level mm-hmm. in people's lives um it's it's yeah just so beautiful uh, yeah it's it's not like you come up to me you come learn english you co- like it's right. incarnate it's christ came down to us and it's doing that the same thing with the word of mm-hmm. like we're gonna bring it to you you're not we're not gonna say you need to you need to change your education system and mm-hmm. and focus on english so you can get these english reasons it's we're gonna come to you yeah mm-hmm. what and isn't is there a sense in which you know, we think like, you know, our context is the best. It's the only one that matters, but like, we've got this eternity, like God's the one who created every tongue, tribe Mm -hmm. and language. And so that there's something he's reflecting in each people group and each language that one day we're going to get to see in full. I was just reading, you know, now Mm -hmm. we see in part, but one day we will see in full. And it's like part of this story. It's a, it's for us in a sense like we don't we're not gonna see it now but one day we're gonna get to see like oh that's why god wanted his word in this language to bring out this nuance and we're kind of like gonna get to get see Mm -hmm. that one day but now is the is the the work and the trust that like oh i'm investing in this to to have this fuller richer experience one day um so like I'm sure like it's like what a year or two to translate the, <laughs> translate the Bible into a into a language that doesn't have one have it yet like, yeah does that sound about right nope does not <laughs> yeah it like so we're heading out for our first term in September and the first three years that we're going to be out is all just language learning we're not mm-hmm. gonna we're not gonna draft a verse of scripture that whole time we're just gonna we're gonna be learning local uh, trade language and then learning the local uh, the language that we're actually gonna be translating the bible into mm-hmm. and learning the culture mm-hmm. and building relationships and like setting groundwork and figuring yeah. out but yeah so it's our current vision is a 22 year plan uh, when we like which in the bible translation world is quite ambitious <laughs> yeah yeah like so it's about 20 to 30 years so if, you, if you're listening 22 years like just let that sink in for a bit everybody's listening but yeah that's <laughs> that's a commitment like that's a that's a you know huge chunk of your entire lifetime, right? Like 
yeah, why, why does it take that level of commitment? Well, it, like it could be quicker. It could be longer. Like <laughs> there's a lot of unexpected speed bumps. Right. There are projects that like are cooking with gas and like no speed bumps are thrown in front of them. They can do it in like 10, 12 years. Well, and a lot of that's just the New Testament. And a lot of that's so just So we're focusing. planning on doing, since we're both translators, doing the New Testament and the first five books of the Bible or the Torah and oh, the Psalms cool. and Proverbs, which wow. that, that Old Testament portion is longer than the she's, New Testament. Yeah, she's the Hebrew translator. I'm Greek. And so oh. she, even though I'm doing the whole New Testament, I'll, I'll be focusing on the whole New Testament. You're going to end up translating more scripture than me just doing the Pentateuch. Well, I'm sure you're going to help me when you're done. I'm going to help. Right? Yeah, so but I did decent in Greek, Hebrew. Forget. I just was like, I'm not learning this. Like, there's just <laughs> no way I'm picking this up. I hear that you like whichever one you learn first better, and okay. I learned Hebrew first. Okay, and well, I learned Greek second. And I, I did. I did Hebrew. learn Greek first, but Hebrew. It's a whole different world of like. There's just no. There's no crossover, right? Like, yeah. So well, okay. And That's yeah, cool. it, it takes forever. Like people ask, like, you know, isn't there like Google Translate that can mm -hmm. like do Sure there is if you want to sound like a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, and first, like you'd have to go out and collect the database. Like for these languages, there is no Google Translate program. Even if there was a really robust program, like mm -hmm. if you try to use like right now, go into Google Translate and use use the huge database that it has for French or something and try to translate like the Bible from English into French or something like that. Like it's, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be rough. <laughs> it's going to be really rough. Like language is so complicated. They have different word order, like mm -hmm. the verb will be in a different spot in the sentence. Like in the Philippines, the verb comes first. Yeah. And then yeah. the subject and object. Mm -hmm. And there's so many idioms. We're like figures of speech. Yeah. English as a language is a very Christian language. And so much like, a lot of what standardized English as a language was the early Bible translations mm -hmm. and like what Wycliffe and Tyndale were doing. And then especially what the, the King James Bible translation was a huge like formation of these are what English words are and this is how you spell words. Mm -hmm. And and at, at the beginning, it's, some concepts were really foreign, but now in English, so many of our idioms come from the Bible. Mm. And as like, as it like translating the Greek or the Hebrew, it's sometimes it's funny because you're dealing with an ancient language, but it'll literally translate out to some sort of English idiom mm -hmm. and figure of speech. And we're, I'm like, that's really weird because like this is a Hebrew speaker 2,000 years ago, and we say that's still in English, but it's because our language has been formed off of Bible translations have formalized. This is what language looks like. Yeah. And so for other language, there's so many figures of speech throughout Scripture. And for them, they don't have a thousand years of their language being based off of their, especially their literature being based off of the Bible. Mm. And so there's so many things where like, yeah, you can literally translate that. Um, and that might even work literally from the Greek to the English, but from Greek into a local language that doesn't have Christian history, it's gobbledygook and like right. makes no sense. And there's. So there's a lot of slowing down. Like we leverage oh, yeah, technology. Tell the John the Baptist. Yeah, well, like we leverage technology, and like people ask, it's still taking 20 years, and like, you know, it would take people 20, 30 years, a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Why is that still happening? And we definitely, and the reason for that is that a the law of diminishing returns, and like okay. the languages that we were working on a hundred years ago are really simple languages that are well understood that also like 
have are the easiest access to. Easy mm -hmm. access to. There's already books written in those languages, and we're adding the Bible to it. Right. Like we're having to start from scratch and be like, how do we spell? What does the alphabet look like here? Yeah, like spending weeks and weeks like getting people together as a people group and saying like, let's agree on how to spell things. <laughs> and so yeah, we have way more technology, and that technology does help speed things up. But we're dealing with harder to reach locations way more difficult languages most of the languages that are left that we're working on are tonal and mm -hmm. are really complicated and so you just have the law of diminishing returns of like yeah we got more technology but we got harder languages mm -hmm. and yeah what you were saying with the john the baptist story we had a bible translation project in west africa and they they translated pretty literally the greek of um I forget whether it's Mark or Luke, but it says like John the Baptist went neither was going about neither eating nor drinking. Mm -hmm. And then like goes on to explain John the Baptist's ministry. But when we draft it, we we train up mother tongue translators who mm -hmm. do the drafting. And then we are kind of people that check it against the Greek and Hebrew. OK, but they drafted it. And after it's drafted, they'll normally go out into the community and do comprehension checking, which is find somebody that's never interacted with scripture and let's read it to them and ask them some comprehension questions to make oh, sure okay. it communicates. So they would draft it, and then uh, once or twice a week, after they had a lot of drafted scripture, they'd go to this gold mine where there is these West African gold miners that had no um, connection with Christianity and no hist history with Christian literature. And so they're uninitiated listeners, and they read out, like, John the Baptist went neither eating nor drinking. And moved on and told the rest of the story. And then at the end, they're asking all these questions. So the first one's like, who is John the Baptist in mm -hmm. this story? And all the gold miners are like, he is a powerful witch doctor. And we're like, oh, okay. Like, this is why we do comprehension check. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to circle that. And uh -huh. we're going to have to figure that out. And then they found out that exact phrase, neither eating nor drinking, was a phrase that local witch doctors used all the time to like brag and say like i'm neither eating nor drinking because i've been feasting off of the like spiritual energy of my enemies at night wow and so it was like they had to dig into that and be like that is not an appropriate phrase it miscommunicates mm -hmm. and so instead of saying literally neither eating or drinking we're going to switch in the the local term for fasting because mm -hmm. that's what it's describing that's the context yeah the passage is and they go back to the gold, like different set of gold miners the next week, reread the passage and then asked, you know, who is John the Baptist? And, oh, he's a holy man. He's righteous. He's God fearing. And it's like, sweet, we got it. Yeah. But just that one line to fix it all, it takes a week yeah. or two that's, and it takes relationship. That's one part of one verse that takes hours and hours and hours of work mm -hmm. to bring, again, the comprehension, right? And I think mm -hmm. sometimes Christians, they... I've noticed this, they kind of oversimplify like, well, this is just literally what God's word says. And so just, you just need to move on and accept it. And like, there's no like, okay, but what's the context and, and understanding that like, this also wasn't written in English even. And mm -hmm. so what's the shade of meaning here that you're missing because there's not a one-to-one -one correspondence, even, even in, in you know, language like English and Greek that have overlap, mm -hmm. it's still not a contextual linguistic perfect one-to-one -one correspondence mm -hmm. and so how much more challenging when there's just little to no overlapping mm -hmm. correspondence and so yeah oh, that's really fascinating yeah and then imagine little to no and then like 
again, why not learn English? It's like, oh, then you've got your second language Bible. I don't know. We have so many, so hard of a time interpreting scripture and then mm. trying to interpret it when it's not even in your first language. Like, right. We have passages where it's like, this is in English and it's translated well and I'm reading it and I really don't get what Paul's getting at here. And like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, try to do that in a, in a language that's not your first language. Yeah. Let alone has a history of even writing letters. Yeah. 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 Even like just, yeah, understanding the format of like, this is why you write letters, you know, and like, what's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, well, what is, you know, kind of thinking about um, just really big picture, and we've talked, we've talked a lot about it, but looking to invest the next couple of decades of your lives, um, you know, spending so much of that apart from family, so much of it, you know, just long term, really grinding it out work um, for, for each of you, what makes it worthwhile? What makes the commitment worth it? For you guys you, you go i talk too much you gotta go <laughs> um i don't know we just both feel like god's given us uh specific gifts and talents to use for his kingdom and this is the way that we can honor him the most with those mm. gifts and talents and mm. everybody out there has different gifts and talents and i know listening to this i encourage you to use them to 100 percent for god's kingdom where he's put you what he's gifted you in yeah. it doesn't have to be moving to the other side of the world and living in a really rural context yeah it can be here and doing something really monotonous or adventurous or dangerous whatever it is god's given each person these talents to invest mm. in his kingdom we just don't want to him to come and be like why did you bury those talents i gave you especially melissa she's so good at language like she's the real (laughs) deal here i'm just like we joke she's gonna like speak language way quicker than me and i'll be able to like correct her on like grammar yeah i'll probably start talking first like but it won't matter (laughs) she's gonna have all the friends like (laughs) yeah like it's it's definitely been like especially the last couple months because we got back from our investigative trip and now like we're ready to go and we're going to be going. So like since we're ready to go, we've just been saying goodbye. And so that's why we're in Washington right now is saying goodbye to all the churches. And we've been in Idaho and Indiana. So it's definitely been a lot of counting the cost because, yeah, yeah. We, we see things where like, you know, we're going to come back for furloughs every couple of years. But yeah, it is a sacrifice because the relationships that we have, we can't make up for being gone for three years by right. being back for a week. Right. And or being back for a month. Like you can't make up for that lost relational time. So there is a bit of mourning. We do a lot. We do a lot of driving. So we do a lot of processing in the car of mm-hmm. like, oh, man, these relationships are only gonna like this is like one of my best friends. But like right now is like as close as we're going to get. Like there's not going to be, at least for a while, at mm-hmm. least while we're overseas, like mm-hmm. it's only going to get farther and farther apart. And we're, as we get, especially us being young, like as everybody's kind of like getting into their groove and figuring out adulthood, like they're going to go off and have their adventures and we're going to be uh, having our own adventures. over our own adventures overseas, not getting to be a part of their lives in the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. So that does, yeah, that is a big cost that we weigh. But at the same time, for me, like seeing... I've only got to see little bits of it because I've been on like different internships and short-term trips, Mm -hmm. but seeing people interact with scripture 
especially seeing people interact with scripture for the first time or for the first time in a language they understand mm-hmm. is so exciting. Oh yeah. And like we got to, I got to go on this hike. We were already way out in the middle of nowhere in Papua New Guinea. And then we hiked for four hours and we came to this village and like the, the littlest kids in the village had never seen a white person before. And you could tell cause their mouths were like open and they're, <laughs> and their brothers who have seen people, white people are like trying to close their mouths. But <laughs> like getting to be out in that context. And then we um, got to teach a literacy course on how to take their local literacy skills and apply it. Well, their trade language literacy skills that the school teaches them how to speak, uh, how to read and write in English or talk pisin, the trade uh, language of wider communication. Mm-hmm. And then we did this whole workshop of okay you already know most of the alphabet here's like three more symbols that your language has and now that you know these three symbols you should be good to read scripture and we had just finished like matthew 6 so we're like diving deep into like a good part of the sermon on the mount and then the leaders after going through the class got to then read out loud scripture to the whole people group Mm. for the first time ever like you know you're like uh you're experiencing history because you're like, this is the first time, because we drafted this last week. Right. Like, this is the first time Matthew 6 has ever been preached in this language. And then just seeing the lights come on and, and like... Seeing those eyes open. Seeing eyes open. Seeing it unlocked. Get us, I got a hand like a, an audio Bible unit to this 80-year-old elder in Mongolia who was the oldest convert and like one of the first converts to Christianity in his tribe. And... He's like crazy old and frail. Like eighty year olds is eighty years old is really old for a Mongolian man because mm-hmm. the average life expectancy is sixty four. Wow! And we turned it on, and it's in Mongolian, and it's Genesis one one, and you hear God like it's really theatrically done. So you like mm-hmm. God's creating the heavens and the earth and the oceans, and you can mm-hmm. hear the oceans, and he's just dancing up and down and like freaking out, <laughs> and because he um because he converted after his eyes had gone. So he had never been able to read scripture. Oh, wow. And uh, so then getting to have his own unit where he could control it and listen to scripture was a huge deal. Mm. So it's just priceless getting to see people interact with scripture. Because, yeah, we're going to be sick a lot. It's not going to be great. (laughs) We we just got back after being there for a month and a half, and uh, I got Giardia... Melissa got an amoeba. We had a friend get uh, salmonella. And there's just, yeah, we're, the context where we're going to be at is pretty rough. We're, our bodies are not used to it. Right. And you didn't get that from like eating at a shady buffet. Like, <laughs> it, was just, it was just life. And yeah, it'll take a year or two for our bodies to adjust. So especially going into it, we're like, mm-hmm. we're telling everybody like, hey, pray for our bodies because we're yeah. going to be really sick yeah. constantly. Yeah. But it's worth it. Well, I know that your your story, even up to this point, is going to be an inspiration for so many uh, here at Radio Interview and beyond. And so just thank you for being faithful to yeah, place your gifts and your passions and your burdens in God's hands to be obedient to, yeah, to, to follow, uh, to, to do the Abraham thing. And like, I'm going to go to a land and I have no idea what <laughs> awaits me there, but I know that you're good. I know that you want to bless, uh, bless people through in and through me. And so, yeah, that you're, that you're continuing in this just grand story, um, that God's been, you know, leading his people on for thousands of years and that you get to play part in that. Um, such an encouragement, 
Um, we are so stoked that we get to be partners and that we get to cheer you on and support you in, in this kind of work. And it's just been, yeah, really helpful uh, to, to just understand uh, even a little bit better even for myself. I feel like, yeah, I've got some understanding of why it's important, but just even more now how, how much more excited I am to, to just, yeah, for our church to partner with you guys and to see the good things God's going to do. So real quick, one final question as we wrap up. Um, what is one question about Bible translation that you wish somebody would ask you that they've just never asked? You had a good thought on misunderstandings that people, misconceptions people have on missions. Yeah, I mean, including myself, when I was growing up and I would see missionaries, I'd come and come back from Africa and like share. And I just think, wow, those are like super holy, righteous people. They're professional Christians. Like, they're the top one percent, uh-huh. like celebrity status kind. And of. now we know we have it all together. <laughs> it, was, it was true. No, <laughs> no, it, you know, God uses sinful, broken vessels mm-hmm. for His glory. Like mm-hmm. you look at Abraham and, mm-hmm. and Moses and David. Um, not you. I mean, you too, but <laughs> King, King David, he uses people who have massively messed up still somehow for his kingdom and mm-hmm. missionaries aren't any different. I am just a normal person who mm-hmm. doesn't like bugs and <laughs> likes my feet to be clean and yeah. doesn't want to go to the bathroom in a squatty potty, but <laughs> somehow God's strength is sufficient for all of my many weaknesses mm-hmm. but uh, no that's great people that's yeah good. with the whole like paul's imagery of like we're clay jars with with treasure inside of us and the treasures the gospel and the holy spirit like missionaries aren't like we're not better jars we're not like alabaster mm-hmm. jars mm-hmm. or like some fancy pottery that you get like we're clay jars yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome well, David, Melissa, thank you so much for giving us some time. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to, if you join us live, you get, get a chance to connect with David and Melissa a little bit before they head on out to the field. And so, again, thank you guys so much for giving us some time. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Know it's been that, a joy. Yeah, know that you've got a uh, church family behind you here at Rainier View. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at rainierview.org.